Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. So today I am talking to Dr. Marianne Miller, all the way from San Diego, who has been in the mental health field for 26 years and has specialized in eating disorders for the last 11 years. Marianne was a full-time academic for 12 years and had a part-time eating disorder practice for much of that time until she then left the university and went full-time into private practice in 2018. Dr. Marianne loves working with eating disorders as a therapist and a coach. She takes a non-diet feminist approach that helps people of all genders live empowered, authentic lives. She embraces the health at every size model and is LGBTQIAA affirming. Dr. Marianne recently launched the inevitable binge eating recovery online program and it helps high achieving professionals regain their mental and emotional energy by shifting their relationship with food to be fully present in their life. I'm really looking forward to speaking to Dr. Marianne today to hear more about her own journey into this work and to explore the tools and support strategies that she uses in supporting her clients with overcoming binge eating. I know that Marianne is absolutely passionate about this area of work and you're going to learn so much from her. Let's get to the conversation. Hi, Marianne. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Oh, it's so lovely to be here. I'm very honored. (laughs) Yeah, no, great to have you. So Marianne, could I get you firstly, please, to introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. So I'm Dr. Marianne Miller. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in California, in San Diego, which is a city south of Los Angeles. And Yes, I'm an eating disorder therapist. I'm a binge eating coach. I'm recovered myself from an eating disorder, which, you know, at the last few years was binge eating disorder. It kind of morphed and changed over the years. And I used to be a professor and now I am doing full-time private practice and coaching for binge eating. And I absolutely adore it. I, it is my heart's joy to do the work that I do. So I'm very grateful. Oh, but I know, Marianne, when I've sort of seen you on Instagram, your passion and enthusiasm for the work you do just does exude out of you from every pore. It really does. <laughs> Yay. Oh, I'm so <laughs> glad to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> it is my joy. It's my heart's love. <laughs> mm. So I know, Marianne, you've been working since 2018, like sort of full time as a coach and therapist. Is that right? And like you say, previously before you were a professor. So I guess you were doing sort of research and academic stuff, were you, alongside seeing patients? Correct. Correct. So the program that I was, it was a graduate master's and doctoral programs where I taught for 12 years and I did research and I had a side private practice that was part of our accreditation that we had to be in practice, but I wanted to be because I love working with clients. And I was working in chronic pain primarily prior to getting into eating disorders. And I found that people, a lot of people with chronic pain have disordered eating patterns. And so they 
the university offered an eating disorder class in the summer that I sat in on. And I watched a bunch of, or I read a bunch of eating disorder textbooks for therapists. And I just fell in love with it. And thankfully, I am located at where the University of California at San Diego is located. And they have one of the top eating disorder centers in the world. And they do a lot of research and, you know, they do treatments for adolescents and adults. And they provide training for practitioners in the area. And so I was able to get that training and go to their conferences for about three years. Plus, I was supervised by someone who had probably 15 years experience working with eating disorders. I got supervision for about a year. And I just, I'm just was very grateful to be in the city where I was to get so much training. And yeah, so I really dived into treating eating disorders in 2012, and shifted away from chronic pain. Although Several of my clients do have also have chronic pain issues and chronic illness. So, yeah, and I just really, as soon as I started working with it, I was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And then in 2018, I realized, no, I really need to do this full time because I was just getting really tired of academia and it wasn't really fulfilling my heart. And I want to do something that fulfills my heart. And that's what eating disorder therapy does. And I decided to add coaching to it about a year ago, because I'm licensed in the state of California. And I really wanted to work with people all over the United States and really all over the world and really focus on binge eating. And because I'm known in San Diego County as an eating disorder therapist who specializes in binge eating because there are a lot of eating disorder therapists who don't. They really focus more on anorexia, bulimia, kind of the classic, quote, classic eating disorders. Mm -hmm. So now, so I'm moving into coaching and working with people, the US, the UK, Canada, and hopefully even more places around the world. So it's just been a joy. I love my life. Mm, yeah well it sounds like it's all really come together actually hasn't it and perhaps yeah. you you know even like you said you had your own experience perhaps with you know your own recovery journey but then you were sort of going in a different direction weren't you but then it's almost like the universe <laughs> offered you like an opportunity and then it seems like it's been a really good fit and like you say it's just you feel like you're doing what you were meant to do and you're you know it's an absolute joy which is just wonderful to hear because I think it really does come across, you know, in Aww. your work. <laughs> Thank you. That means a lot to me, Harriet, because I really respect you so much. And I respect this podcast. I respect, you know, the work you put out, the information you have on Instagram. It's just really solid, you know, reliable information. And that's not always the case. And so I just appreciate what you provide too. So this can be a mutual admiration society. <laughs> yeah. so, sorry, listeners. <laughs> Go on, yeah. have done <laughs> As we revel in our mutual admiration, <laughs> press pause or something. <laughs> so Marianne, when a client approaches you, I mean, I'm guessing, you know, with your experience and, you know, depending on the individual and where they're at in their journey, you probably would sort of start at different points. But what is your sort of overall kind of like sort of model and way of working? Are you sort of an integrative counsellor or, or how, you know, how do you work with someone with binge eating? 
That is a great question. So uh, I have an integrative model and here's how I describe it. So if you picture a three-legged stool and each leg of the stool is an approach to therapy, the first leg of the stool is cognitive behavior therapy. So with that, I look at changing unhelpful thoughts around food, eating, and body image and changing unhelpful behaviors around food, eating, and body image. So when I have either therapy clients or coaching clients come to me and they say, you know, I'm binging every day, you know, the number one goal is to reduce and eliminate the binging and to really work on changing the unhelpful thoughts around food, eating, and body image that it's keeping them trapped in the eating disorder. And then the second leg of the stool is dialectical behavior therapy. And so dialectical behavior therapy is based in mindfulness. And so with mindfulness, the way I define mindfulness is moment-to-moment non-judgmental acceptance. And so with eating disorders, especially binge eating disorders, there's just so much anxiety and so much shame and so much emotion that teaching people skills on how to really ground themselves in the present moment to calm down their brains, calm down their nervous systems are very, it's incredibly helpful as people, you know, are able to build skills and move forward. So with cognitive behavioral therapy, the first leg of the stool and dialectical behavior therapy, the second leg of the stool, we're really creating a toolbox of coping skills that people can use and be able to transition from using food as a coping skill, using the eating disorder behaviors as a coping skill to using coping skills that will actually be more beneficial for them. And then the third leg of the stool is looking at family of origin issues and family of origin patterns and actually multi-generational family patterns around food, eating, and body image because it didn't start in a vacuum and there's a strong biological basis for people developing eating disorders. And so it's quite common for my clients to grow up what in what I call is diet culture families where you know the focus is so much on appearance and it's about restriction and being on diet after diet. It's like families do this, you know, sometimes as the entire family unit, sometimes it's like one parent and the kids or something like that. And it, sometimes you have like grandparents or aunts or uncles who are doing it as well. And it just becomes part of the family group think in the way. And so I want to identify those patterns that have developed and be able to, and teach my clients how to set boundaries and break free from those patterns so that they can create kind of have different relationships with food, eating and body image than the people in their family system, if that makes sense. So yeah, those are the three legs of the stool. And, and I found it just to be incredibly helpful and very, it fits very much my personality. And I've been able to use that in therapy. And then I've been able to translate it to the coaching as well. So yeah, it's really cool. Mm, yeah, and sure. And would it vary like when in terms of what you would start with in terms of, you know, with your clients, or do you tend to sort of do, you know, a particular leg of the stool first? That is a great question. I typically begin with the more behavioral things because 
that, you know, researchers have shown that working on behavioral things first helps. What I found is it helps build momentum and it gets them some early wins in their recovery. And some of the behavioral changes are simply, you know, eating breakfast within an hour of waking and, you know, eating regularly throughout the day, which can keep people from sliding into a restrict binge cycle. And so I typically do those behavioral changes first, and then it really depends on the client's some of people are ready to dive into the family stuff and some of them need a little bit <laughs> they need more skill building dialectical behavior therapy really helps people learn how to manage their emotions and sometimes they need more of those skills before diving into the family stuff and in some cases there's trauma histories with my clients and with that i kind of add a fourth leg of the stool i use cognitive processing therapy which are a modified version of cognitive processing therapy, which was created to work with combat veterans. And researchers have found that it's very effective with people with eating disorders who have trauma as well. Again, my version is very modified and integrative, but the mm -hmm. principles upon which I do that work is on there. But typically, we don't dive straight into the trauma work. We really focus on the behavioral changes and then working on building coping skills and working on changing some cognitive distortions and then going from there into the family stuff. Mm, yeah, no, thank you for explaining that. I like the way it's really sort of saying about, you know, with cognitive behavior therapy, sometimes if we can build momentum and get some of those easy wins or perhaps easier wins, <laughs> sometimes not yes. easy, but yes. that can, yeah, that can feel quite empowering, can't it? Because I think sometimes when people come into therapy, they're just so stuck and overwhelmed, aren't they? And yeah, if they can just feel like they're making a little bit of progress forward, it can just give a lot of hope and they can feel more encouraged. Absolutely. And I mean, they've suffered for so long, they deserve some wins, you know, and I know, I mean, I, I've seen people who have been suffering for so long, and I had my eating disorder for at least 25 years, it began very young. So people really deserve to have some changes where they can feel some hope. Yeah. And you mentioned about as well with the cognitive behavior therapy, sort of supporting people with sort of regular eating and Sort of stabilizing sort of blood sugar, that sort of, so I don't think you said stabilizing blood sugar, but I think I got the impression that you were sort of like suggesting that through the regular eating. For sure. Uh, yeah. And how do you find as well, because I know sometimes with my clients, it's very challenging, isn't it? When you've been in that restrict and binge cycle to actually trust regular eating, to trust sort of eating a bit more, you know, maybe introducing more carbohydrates and those kind of things can be really, really challenging. And so how do you support your clients to take those steps into more regular eating? Oh, I love that question. We start small. I just, because most people don't eat breakfast. Most of my clients, when they come to me, they're not breakfast eaters. I would say probably 90%. And then when they come in, I just want them to get to start eating breakfast. And I tell them, I said, I don't care what you eat. Just eat something within an hour of waking. So it can stabilize blood sugars, it can, you know, help, you know, start the metabolism levels, and it can boost mood because there are co-occurring anxiety and depression that often comes with eating disorders. And so 
that's something we need to tackle as well. And so I just said, let's just start small by eating breakfast and then just add it in. And I start by building in consistent eating of their safe foods. And then we can expand outward to some of their fear foods, which in some cases it's you know, big categories of food like carbohydrates or things with sugar in them or something like that. In many cases, I do bring in an eating disorder dietitian on the team. And I just find that therapy or the recovery process goes much quicker when there's an eating disorder dietitian. But there's some of my clients with binge eating, they come in and they've seen nutritionists in the past and just have had terrible experiences with them because they weren't eating disorder like trained. And so in that case, I just am like, okay, we'll just work on it, you know, in therapy. And then typically it works. It works fine for unless there's some club complexities. I think for my clients who have like health issues like diabetes or like sometimes Crohn's disease also Oh gosh, I'm thinking of the one where celiac? you can't eat celiac. Thank you. <laughs> read my mind. Celiac. Yeah. I say, oh, let's get a dietitian, you know, in the mix. Yeah. But for the most part, just starting them with the mechanical or regular eating. And then I also with my clients who sometimes find it very difficult to have a break between eating times, I say, okay, let's just keep the eating time to like, 30, 40 minutes and then have a space and then eat in three hours and keep it to like 30 or 40 minutes. And we kind of experiment and see how that is. And just to put some parameters around the eating. But again, it depends on the client. Most people have had those restrictive patterns of behavior where they're cutting out like big categories of foods or they're going a certain amount of time, they might be doing the official kind of intermittent fasting, or they're doing some sort of version of it, or just by default, they just don't eat before, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon. And so with that, I just really get them to start eating earlier and earlier. And it takes a while. It's a process. It's kind of exposure. There's some exposure mm-hmm. therapy. I don't, you know, follow the official protocol, but as I push them, there are kind of exposures. But I got a lot of my ideas from Dr. Christopher Fairburn's work at Oxford and his cognitive behavioral work. So, mm, Yeah, no, thank you for explaining that, actually. And just I think clients often really need that structure and support, don't they, to begin with? Because I know I'm finding more and more people come into therapy now and say, you know, I want to be able to eat intuitively and follow intuitive eating principles, etc., which I think, you know, ultimately is a can be a fantastic kind of longer term goal. But that regular, more structured eating almost needs to come first, doesn't it? While you're sort of getting back in touch with your body, you know, start to listen to those hunger and fullness cues again. And it's just having some sort of scaffolding or structure around that is so helpful, isn't it? Yeah, I like how you called it scaffolding, because that's what they have to have. I mean, if you're building a high rise, you know, you have to have some sort of structure there and then scaffolding around it. And then eventually you can take down the scaffolding, but there will still be the structure underneath it. And so another metaphor I use is really mechanical or structure eating becomes the foundation of your house. 
And you need to have that foundation laid and very solid before you can build your recovery house on it. And yes, eventually like intuitive eating would be amazing goal. And even when you are in that space of intuitive eating, there will be times where you need to rely on mechanical eating. Like I have found that to be the case myself is that I really leaned heavily into the mechanical eating early on in my recovery. And then I got more into the intuitive eating. And at the same time, I tend to get like over-focused on work. (laughs) And it's really easy for me to lose myself in doing stuff or like writing a blog or working on like Instagram, silly dancing videos or something like that. (laughs) So I lean heavily into the mechanical eating just to remind myself, okay, Marianne, you have to eat or you're going to start feeling like lightheaded or something like that. So mechanical eating is really key. And researchers have shown that you know, there are areas of the brain for people who struggle with binge eating that aren't functioning as efficiently and as effectively compared to people without binge eating disorder or bulimia even. And one of the areas of the brain has to do with hunger and fullness regulation. So you have to heal that area of the brain before you can even dial into the hunger and fullness. And it takes mechanical eating to help do that. Mm, yeah, no, I think mechanical eating, you know, I love it really. I mean, I even to this day, although I would call myself an intuitive eater, I still eat quite mechanically as well, just purely from self-care. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Just, yeah, it just feels good, doesn't it, to have stable blood sugar, you know, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice yeah. And you know, like during stressful times, like my mother had some health issues last year and there were some times that was very challenging. And I just told myself, okay, Marianne, you have to eat, you have to eat. And that needs to be number one priority so that you'll be able to cope with this stressful time. So it's just, it's your foundation. Like, you know, if you're sick, you still have to eat, even though you may not want to, you have to get something. And if you're going through high, high stress and you're, even your digestive system is, you know, talking back to you, if you could get something in during that time, it's really important. Really, really important. I cannot emphasize that enough, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> So Marianne, I'm aware like you are off to do your binge masterclass. I haven't yeah. called it the right name, sure. But could you tell us a little bit more about that, please? Oh, sure. So multiple times a year, I do, I offer a free Ultimate Binge Busters Masterclass. And so it ranges from three days to nine days. The one I'm doing now is I called the Deluxe Ultimate Binge Busters Masterclass. So it's nine days long. And so we talk about different aspects of binge eating. And I share some of the things I've shared on this podcast so far, but I go a lot deeper and I have chances for people to ask questions and things like that. So like this week, for example, yesterday was day one and we talked about the why, why people end up developing binge eating issues and why, what is their why of recovery? What's their motivation to recover? Today, we're going to talk about for day two, we're going to talk about how, how the binge eating cycle develops. And then day three, we're going to talk about when you get urges, you know, what you can do to cope with them. Day four, we're going to talk about what, what kinds of things can you do to help 
propel your recovery forward. And then Friday, day five, we're going to talk about who, which is what kinds of personality characteristics do I see and have researchers seen in people who develop eating disorders and how they come into play with recovery. And then I have four more extra bonus sessions that I kind of tailor to the group in terms of what they want to talk about. And I do a lot of Q&A. So yeah, we have this amazing group. Actually, a lot of people from the UK is in the masterclass this time around. And they are just awesome. They are all in. I mean, I've already cried twice. Like, (laughs) you know, it's just in good tears, like really powerful, moving, like people like this. I've never heard anything like this before. This is totally life changing. And it's just, it just speaks to my heart. This is so much what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm just so joyous because if I would have had this when I was in the thick of my eating disorder, it would have helped so much. So I just want to pay what I've learned forward. So people don't have to be alone and feel alone like I did at many times when I was suffering. Mm, gosh, that sounds like an amazing resource. And like, it, it sounds it's quite an intense sort of, you know, yeah. burst of binge knowledge for, for people. Yeah. Definitely. Mm. It is. It's intense. I have them do like a little homework task every day. It's a masterclass. It's intense. (laughs) So yeah, it's good though. It's a lot of times what people need to jumpstart the recovery process. Mm, Sure. I know it sounds fantastic. So Marianne, I'm very aware that you know, I would think I would like to have you back on the podcast because I think there's so much more we can talk definitely, about. <laughs> definitely. I adore your podcast. Yes, I would be honored. <laughs> yeah, no, it would be great. Yeah, I would love to hear sort of on a future episode as well, perhaps more about your work with health at every size and sort of working with people in larger bodies and body yes. image. And even a bit more about those three slash four legs of the stool as well, because I think, you know, there's potentially so many more areas of interest there that the listeners would be massively fascinated in. So you are very welcome back. That'd be great. (laughs) You know, and I'm in a fat body and in a larger body myself. And so, you know, my own experience with health at every size and, you know, dealing with being able to say, yes, I absolutely have a good body image and that it is possible and you can be recovered and in a fat body. And so, yeah, we could go deep into that. (laughs) So yes, I would be honored. I would be honored. Okay. So Marianne, where can people find you if they want to get in touch or find out more about your work? Yeah, they can go to my website at drmariannemiller.com. And Marianne is the French spelling, the M-A-R-I-A-N-N-E. I'm at Dr. Marianne Miller on Instagram, on TikTok. And then I have a free Facebook group called Redefining Relationships with Food and Body Image. So you can look that up on Facebook or you can message me or send me an email like or DM me like if you want more information about that. But that's also a place I do weekly Facebook lives where I talk about different topics and it's just there to help people recover and not feel alone. So. Okay. Fantastic. Well, I should make sure Marianne that those details are in the show notes. So thank thank you. you. Okay. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for your time and for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and yeah, keep up the amazing work you're doing. 
Oh, thanks so much, Harriet. And likewise, back to you. I'm so grateful for everything that you're doing and the great information you're providing listeners. And yeah, it's been an honor and I can't wait to return. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as I did. Do go and check out all of Marianne's details in the show notes. If you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at the eating disorder therapist underscore. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to the eating disorder therapist.co.uk. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would be so grateful if you'd follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon. Mm -hmm.